Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets, high-performance gas ranges, or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit the Ferguson Showroom on Powell Avenue in Nashville and discover the controlled convenience of Jet Air's connected wall oven. Innovative, intuitive, and in the palm of your hand. Reinvent your kitchen with Jet Air and find it at Ferguson. Midday 180 on Radio Road, Super Bowl 54. Our coverage presented by the Low T Center and by Ferguson Bath Kitchen and Lighting Gallery. Dan Orlovsky joins us, ESPN's own and one of our favorite guests each year at this time and throughout the, the, the football season. Just great insight and analysis. He continues to do great things on TV. We could go on and on, Paul, about how he started here on this show, but the show has a love affair with Dan Orlovsky. That's, right. that's what we're saying. Yeah, that's goes, right. And it goes, it goes way back. Let's let Dan go on and on about this being one of his launches. Dan, how are you? Dan, <laughs> I have a love Dan, affair with thoughts. you guys individually, your words that you just said in your guys' show. So thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I often reference to my wife, where, where would we be without the, some of the radio spots in Minnesota? <laughs> from the Years from, ago. Yeah, that's from, right. the, from the food court from in the Minnesota. By the way. You guys have been doing this a lot longer than me. Why is a Super Bowl anywhere but here? <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Well, the the, the, the city is great. And the sprawl. The weather is, is fantastic. Yeah. That's you, what I'm saying. Yeah. You're at the ESPN setup, I'm sure, most of the time, which yeah. I, I, I'm guessing comes complete with waters. That's been the issue here. They don't have water Look, anywhere. We, have water water we, we brought cases of water in. So tough. It's harder to find food and water. You had to bring your own water. You've got to be hydrated. Tough run. First New Orleans is the best Super Bowl city. Really? Yeah. I was there for the national championship, and it was amazing. I will say that. But being on the beach, you've been laying tough. out. Uh, no, I've been working. I'm gonna go lay out. I'm gonna go lay out today. Not lay out. I'm gonna go be outside. <laughs> laying out. Sounds, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds odd. You've been laying out. Yeah. It's an odd question. It's really narcissistic. It's an odd question. It's an odd question to ask a man. <laughs> You've been laying out. He's got a little. Uh, it's just not a question you ask a man. Pinkish hue yeah, I, to him. Dan's a very active guy. He'll go walk around yeah. outside. Yeah, that's yeah. what he'll do. Dan Orlovsky, our guest, uh, midday one eighty one zero four five. The zone. Do you enjoy calling games from the booth or in studio work more? It's a great question. Gun to my head, in games. You know, live games in the booth. They're just so much fun. Um, the it's very much similar to being a player. You do a ton of prep during the week, and all yep. of a sudden the game happens, and you're just reacting, and you're trying to as much convey like what you're seeing, but also broad picture stuff and, and bird's eye view stuff. Studios are great. studio shows are amazing, though. I love studio shows because you can get nerdy and you can get X's and O's, which is something obviously I love to do. But being on site for a game and in the moment is is close, at least in my experience, to actually playing in the game. So when you're on a studio show, and I, I, I watch a lot of the work that you do, and you're standing and you're in front of a screen and you're pointing out some of the football nerd stuff you talk about, you've got a lot of energy yeah. about it, which I think helps translate to a television audience. It's different in what we do, but it's also different when you're calling a game as an analyst to try to translate your voice into a level of enthusiasm. And excitement. Yeah. Is, is, that, is that difficult? Because it, it seems genuine with you when you're talking about the game that you're, 
geeking out about it when you're on on camera, but when you're not and it's just your voice, it's different. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. So the first year doing games, sometimes in booths and stadiums, you're next to coaches' booths or other maybe radio booth or whatnot, and I was doing a game one time, and my sleeves were rolled up, my tie was a little bit unbuttoned, and I'm getting in, like, my feet are spread out in, like, this kind of shortstop athletic stance, and I'm calling the game in it, and I just peeked to my right, and there's, like, three, four, probably seven-year-old dudes staring at me laughing, and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even realize I'm doing it. Listen, I love talking about this stuff. I think it's I, – I, I have so much fun doing it. If I'm not having fun doing it, certainly no one at home is going to have fun listening or watching it. It doesn't take – it doesn't – it's not fabricated from me. It's just I'm a nerd like that in a way, you know, where I just I, – I have so much fun doing it. What was it like working with Pat McAfee on the national championship game? Because I'm watching it. I'll give you my honest assessment of it. You're such a football guy that you would be in the middle of, of saying something. And Pat's such a stand-up comic yes. that it was this constant. It's not like you were willingly trying to battle him, but you'd be making a point, And then he, oh, I just saw this guy up here do that. He'd just yeah. immediately jumping in and talking about whatever's going on in the stands. Well, I mean, I've known Pat for a long time. We played together. And then, you know, working with with him a little bit on get up i kind of knew what i was kind of have on my hands and then we both got down to the field an hour before kickoff and they told us what we were doing and we both were like wait what we have free reign of the field and like yeah and there's no rules and you can go wherever you want and say whatever you want and we're like okay and then we just kind of went from there and we've got enough of understanding like i can say stuff to him low blow him and he could low blow me and it's not like we could just take it and run with it so uh it was a good dynamic he's the one thing about him that people don't probably know, he's brilliant. Like, he is an incredibly smart human. Dan Orlovsky with us on the Midday 180. What um, – I want to get into the Titans season a little bit. Um, and, and, and from this angle, play action. Because there, there seem to be two really divergent schools of thought in, in terms of how effective the run game needs to be for play action to work. So on the one hand, everybody's like, well, Ryan Tannehill existed almost exclusively because Derrick Henry was such a huge threat, which opened up the play action, which allowed Ryan Tannehill to do what he did, and right. he did it damn well. There's another school of thought that you don't have to run effectively for play action to work, um, an analytics department at least, that, that says that. So how much was Ryan Tannehill's success keyed off of the play action and how much was the play action keyed off of Derrick Henry's success? Yeah, I mean, it's all tied together. I actually said this and caught some flack for it, but I believe it to be accurate. The Titans were a pass-first football team, especially in the back end of the season. They came out and tried to take the lead with the pass and then run the football or, or get some play-action passes. Here's the reality. If they were running the football well, as well as they did, and Tannehill was okay, you, we, could, we could be having a conversation of, all right, is Ryan Tannehill any worthy or any good because the run was so good and he was just, you know, his QBR was 12th in the league or something. But when he did what he did, if you're going to have that run game be that good and then the quarterback be that good off of the play action, they're both equally as important. And one doesn't happen without the other. And so there's a reality to Tannehill benefiting from the run and there's a reality that Derrick Henry benefited from the threat of the play-action pass, and A.J. Brown. So um, play-action will work whether you're running the football well or not. Defensive players are taught since they're eight years old, 
stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. They hear that ingrained in their brain. They're always going to stop the run. To the level of success that the play action can work or how much you can go hurt football teams will be solely dependent on how well you're running the football. Will it work? Yes. How much will it work and what's the kind of the, 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 the mass of it working? That's the dependent thing. ESPN's Dan Orlovsky with us. What, what kind of regression do you think is reasonable to expect, presuming Tannehill and Henry are both back? I mean, 70% completion rate with a 9.6 yards per attempt seems like an outrageous pairing. Where would you expect him to be? Next? Yeah, I mean, he's, he was on, like, historic pace for a while there, right? So I don't, I don't think you're getting that. But I don't – I've said this about Tannehill. Tannehill, when he was on the field in Miami, was a good, solid player. The reasons that everything fell apart was the injuries. Tannehill, he, they, Miami didn't pay him just because, you know, like, he was a good player. And, I, you know, like, I think what happened in Tennessee this year was you had a coach who understood him, and you had a coach knew, who knew what he wasn't good at. And that's a big deal. And so regression, uh, I don't think you're going to be on the historic pace, uh, but you're also going to have a full year of, of comfortability with who he is and what he is and scheme and whatnot. I actually thought Arthur Smith should have gotten some calls this year for what the job that he did because I wasn't high on him. I didn't know anything about him. And all of a sudden, they're dialing up plays that are really good. So I would not. I think that the Titans need to resign Tannehill. Um, we've seen Derrick Henry with a quarterback other than Ryan Tannehill, so I would re-sign Tannehill first. Um, I still think he, he, he's going to play really solid football. So we were all shocked a year ago when Matt LaFleur went from Titans offensive coordinator for a year to Green Bay Packers head yeah. coach. And you, had, you heard some whispers about Arthur Smith with that. You really like what he did. If he's able to have another good year offensively next year as an offensive coordinator, do you see him getting opportunities? Absolutely. It's going to be hard for him not to because, one, everyone's going to go, wait, he took Ryan Tannehill, who was a bust in Miami, and now yeah. he's playing really good football, and he's gotten this team to the AFC Championship, and who knows what happens next year. And so you're going to have this stretch of just because it's new to his name is new to everybody doesn't mean he's not really good at what he does. And we continue this trend in the NFL of – wanting really good offensive minds and good play callers and so especially if they have another good year because people are then going to go learned under Vrabel there's going to be a lot of dots connected if you look at the stuff that they did schematic it was not boring hey let's line up in uh, two back and we're just going to run 1995 <laughs> fullback on linebacker week stuff there was creative play calls in misdirection stuff and use of matchups um, and obviously, A.J. Brown was utilized in a big way. I remember we talked about A.J. in the yes. spring. So you, you, if he has another year, if that team has another year offensively like they did this past year, I think it will be hard to keep him. Dan, let's, let's chat a little bit about Mahomes here and the off-schedule plays and just how, man, he keeps, he keeps things alive and, and the, the speed of receiver just deadly uh, as a combination because they have more than just one speed element to their offense. Their entire right. offense is fast. Right. When you watch them, how much of it is a design by Andy Reid gelled with the, uh, the, the ability that Patrick Mahomes gives them? Uh, when you watch him, how much of it is off schedule versus, oh, that was the plan that all along? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit more this year off schedule than last year. 
Um, you know, like people talk about Patrick Mahomes and we're not referencing enough of how much of a recess football player he is. And it really goes back to his parents never forcing him to kind of conform. You know, we live in a time right now where, like, every parent wants private coaching. And my kids, I want you to look the part at 12 years old. And I think it's a credit to his parents for never forcing that upon him because he would not be able to do the stuff that he does, not only, be like, when the ball leaves his hands, but before. Like, his keen understanding of color and movement and space and how it's all tied together and how moving this person or that person with his body or his eyes like frees up so many big windows. Um, Andy Reid is a play caller where it's like this, like, hey, I'm calling this play for a completion. You know, I, listen, we're going to get four yards here. Just get it out of your hands. There's a reason why this team is the second least sacked team in the NFL as well. Co- plays like that. Andy, this is a four-yard completion, and Mahomes abides. Get it out. And then Andy's like, kill him. You know, and, and you're going to get 12 shots a game like that with Andy Reid where it's like, this is where you go hunt. And Patrick does a great job of one when it presents it. He puts his foot in the ground and lets it go. Or, again, the, the freestyle, recessy, Aaron Rodgers-type feel that he has is a little bit of a, not not hindering his ability to do that. So many coaches, man, like, I don't, don't – sometimes it'll work, but it, it's going to hurt our football team at some point. And Andy Reid has never kind of put that on Patrick Mahomes, and that's been a – such a big reason of why they've had such profound success. Where, where do we not give Garoppolo enough credit? Huh, well, how much time do we have? Um, a lot of places. Here's my thing, that, and I said this this morning. Okay, so just because they have a great run game does not mean the quarterback is really good. And just because George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in football does not mean the quarterback's not really good. The same with the defense. This was a 13-3 and football team. And they lost three games in the last play of the game. They're three plays away from being undefeated. You can't do that unless your quarterback plays really, really, really good football. The thing that Jimmy G does at a, a very fine level is that offense, is, as we've talked about on this show before with Matt, is all predicated upon the timing of the play and the rhythm of the play. Jimmy G understands that. You very rarely see Jimmy G, hold, especially at first and second down, hold the football. It's one, two, get the ball out. One, two, get the ball out. Drive your crosser, if not, move on. And he's got a really good understanding of that. And uh, that takes a lot of discipline and time to get that figured out and understood. But it's married together so well. Now, Kyle is the best coach in the NFL of creating space. He's the best coach at creating. Coaches in the NFL are really good at using space. Kyle creates it better than any coach in the NFL. And Jimmy G benefits off it. So I'm hiring Dan Orlovsky as general manager of Cincinnati. You have the number one overall pick. In this hypothetical world, Trevor Lawrence is also draft eligible this season along with Joe Burrow. Obviously, we're not just going to take away the one game and say Burrow obviously was much better in the national championship game than Trevor Lawrence. Everything considered, who is the better pro prospect? Who are you drafting? Like right now? Right this second. I have to say Joe. You are the GM. I have to say Joe Burrow, and that was not the case for me. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a star, Okay. Um, I did the national title for ESPN on game on field pass, so I'm down at the field level. And one of the things that I saw from Joe Burrow is he's a stone-cold killer. Like, he's got that in him. He is a stone-cold killer. But He's got some swagger about him, the way he talks trash, the sure. way he gets the and, job done. And here's the reality. At the end of the day, you can either play or you can't. So that's, that's cool, but you better be able to play. Yeah. 
What I saw from Joe Burrow was, and I, I always say this, you better be able to do things that are really hard or I can't coach you to do. His understanding of, one, anticipation, and, two, the types of throws that are needed depending on that play is so good, and that is a very difficult thing to coach into quarterbacks. The caveat for me saying him over Trevor Lawrence is this. Um, I was a little bit, I'm, again, I'm a lover of Trevor Lawrence, but he's so talented he needs to learn anticipation. He, he kind of waited for guys to show themselves open and get open, and that doesn't fly if you're going to go be great. You've got to cut the ball loose and throw them open. Joe does that. Trevor doesn't as of yet. And so uh, for everyone who says like he could go to be the number one pick at a high school, he could still get a lot better. And I think the national championship game for him should be and hopefully is a springboard into him really becoming a a next-level type of quarterback. Dan Orlovsky has been our guest. Um, what's the TV schedule like here for you? Yeah. Like, um, What's wake-up call uh, Yeah, wake up, I, I wake up, I sleep in here. Um, I'm, I'm up at 5 here for, for get up and then some first take. I let Radio Row. I got Sports Center tonight. I've got get up tomorrow morning, and then I'm done. So, um, listen, if they were bringing me down here and not working me away from my family, I'd be ticked off. So I'm, I'm glad – and I love doing this, man. Oh, I know you do. And we love just the behind-the-curtain talk of it because, yeah. you know, we see you, but there's all these The TV schedule this fall was and... nuts. I didn't sleep much this fall. So I'm looking forward to – I've got get up on How Monday How far in advance Tuesday. do you know your schedule? Oh, I knew, I knew it through I, August. At the back end of August, I knew what my fall would look like every, every day. single day. Yeah. You knew oh, yeah. every game, everything? You no, were every know. game. I find out my game Sunday afternoon. Okay. But I know I'm doing a Saturday game because okay. my guy, play-by-play guy, Bob Schusen, does the Jets radio Sunday mm-hmm. mornings. So our games are going to be on Sunday or Saturday, probably noon or 3.30, noon more than likely. Um, but I knew every other day. And then did they get you back to New U- is get up on Monday in New York? This week coming or no? But yes, most weeks. Yes, it's always get up is always in New York unless we're on site. We've been on site for the Natty and we were on site for here. So you travel back Saturday night, Sunday morning from your game to New York. Yeah, Saturday night every every time this year flew back Saturday night to the game to my home because Sunday I got to be sitting down in front of a television at one o'clock to watch, I watch every game. So. Um, you know, Sundays, it's a seven-day-a-week fall. Now the good thing is I'm doing it a lot of it from home. But, um, and I've got to get up next Monday and Tuesday, and then I'm going going to go ghost for a while. <laughs> and again, and again. We won't hear from Dan Orlovsky for a little while. We got way. him this gig pretty much. I actually have to send you guys a, I don't know, maybe a nice Cut. bottle of red wine. We'll take that. Maybe I'll bourbon. We're more I'll, bourbon just, people. Just join us from time to time. That's yeah, all just, we have. Just keep Deal. going on with us. Uh, that, that's, that's a thank you that's enough. Great to see I you. like your shoes. See you guys. Who makes those My shoes? wife, uh, these are Ted Baker out of London. My wife found these on Amazon see, for 50 doll hairs. Oh. Size 14 as well. Pretty good. <laughs> Ted <laughs> Baker <laughs> out of London. I'm going to take a picture. <laughs> for the gram? Yeah. For the gram. For the gram. Paul can't help himself. He's you gotta seem get like a Ted Baker guy. Put them down that way. Paul, are you a Ted Baker guy? I am there. <laughs> I like Especially how, if you can find for 50 bucks, man. I like how oh. Paul is coaching Dan on how to pose the, the, the foot shoe. pose. I'm the, the photographer. He's the shoe guy in the hand. Get your foot down. Dan Orlovsky, uh, one of the best. Thank you. Thanks, Appreciate bud. you. Good to be with you guys.